Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by MyBookie. Use promo code Gators to double your first deposit only at MyBookie.ag. This episode of Gators Breakdown is also brought to you by Shark Coatings. Visit sharkfloorcoatings.com when you need professional floor coating services done right the first time. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter, at GatorDave underscore SEC. Coming at you day after LSU's 45-35 victory over the Gators in the Swamp on Saturday night. And of course, there is plenty to get into. Not a lot of it pretty. When you look at the defensive side of the football, a continuation of what we have seen through seven games now, and even a lot worse in some form or fashion. We'll get into it right here. Um, I will go ahead and say inexcusable performance right there. So (laughs) that'll be where this episode is going to trend just a bit. But like we do every Sunday, we'll take a look at the game itself uh, and then you know, some big picture, some reaction analysts uh, or analysis going on there. Uh, of course, we got plenty of time with the bye week coming up as well. Save some of that from Monday's episode. But of course, uh, on the heels of that terrible performance by the defense, uh, of course, there are there, there's plenty to discuss uh, on that side of the ball. So we'll get into it. We'll, we'll look at the offense just a bit, too. Of course, the defense is the big takeaway. We'll focus mostly on that side of this episode but we'll take a look everything stats um kind of game the flow of the game uh itself and then also uh just kind of some conversation that needs to be had here <laughs> about this Gators football team as they set up four and three after the 10 point loss to the Bayou Bengals hit that like button I know the the result is not what we want here, but uh, the video, you know, you can like the work done right here on Gators Breakdown. Hit that like button for me right quick if you're watching on the YouTube version. 
subscribe. Subscribe to Gators Breakdown here on YouTube as well. If you have not done so yet, leave a comment. I know there will be a flurry of comments about where this Gator team is right now heading into the bye week. We can discuss it. Usually I try and go back and uh, reply to some of the comments there. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I know, I know these are not going to be pretty just like the Gators defensive performance <laughs> right there on Saturday night. And also uh, go check us out. Gators breakdown plus link is in the description to join of course, the discord this Sunday morning. The chat room there has just been ever since last night. I'm not even sure it slowed down overnight. <laughs> I got a couple of hours of sleep here uh, after driving back from Gainesville, but the, 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 the conversation during the game, after the game this morning, this Sunday morning uh, on the discord really, really, um, really good conversation uh, going on there. Uh, a lot of frustration that I absolutely feel um, along with you guys there. So link, link is in the description. Three bucks a month. Extra episodes. All the time conversation going on right there in that Gators Breakdown Plus Discord as well. So uh, just some notes I was taking throughout the game. And I guess I'll kind of just maybe go through these as kind of, you know, I'm, you all watch the game, I'm sure. Uh, and but kind of just you know fast start on offense. Uh, no Osiris Torrance to start the game. Definitely nowhere near the reason Florida <laughs> lost this game at all. Um, and Richard Leonard comes in, plays well, uh, plays serviceable there for Osiris Torrance. You know this offensive line uh, has missed uh, some pieces. Michael Tarkin did come back this week uh, as well. Austin Barber was still out there playing at the same time. Uh, but of course, you you you. Lose some guys, but the guys who've been able to step in uh, have done uh, have done their jobs uh, as well. But you got the fast start, the AR, the shorter touchdown, uh, and then of course, right away on defense, uh, the third down issues rear their heads uh, already. Uh, you know, a third and eight that goes for about forty yards uh, for LSU, and I guess that was just a sign of it was going to be uh, an issue all night. But of course, you know, Florida. Uh, staying there early uh, in this game, um, Anthony Richardson, early on, second drive, he was using his legs. Uh, the very nice play call of the Montreux Johnson yard, 39-yard uh, toss play uh, that goes that second drive. All runs, uh, by the way, where Florida uh, ends up going up 14-7. LSU ties it up. I mean, and, and you can just tell right there, even second drive of the game, LSU just driving the ball up and down the field on Florida. Uh, Jaden Daniels, those first couple drives there for LSU, 9 of 11, 123 yards and a touchdown. Both those LSU drives opening up the game, you, that's why I said you could start telling, all right, well, it's just going to be another bad performance for this defense. LSU's both drives, opening drives, 12 plays, both those drives, 175 yards, 173 yards. You know, of course, you it wasn't giving up the big play there. Uh, but you were giving up third downs, and you were just letting LSU convert and just march up and down the field. Uh, and then Florida, um, you know, three and out uh, there. But LSU must have punt. Um, AR misses the wide open Xanders, but Montreal Johnson scores anyway, 21-14 Gators. Uh, and then, of course, uh, pretty much <laughs> right there, you could – their inconsistency in offense started showing up there. LSU's defense started playing better. Uh, but you know LSU gets the ball back uh, there after that Florida touchdown. Three LSU drives, three touchdowns for them. Uh, when you know, two hundred twenty-three total yards at that point after LSU's first three drives, one hundred eighty-one passing. They were five of six on third down at that point. I'll go into some stats there, but uh, Daniels early on started going five for five on third down for ninety-nine yards. 
Uh, but it was two drives in a row for Gators where the LSU gets stops. Not you know, of course, that wasn't counting the muff punt. Uh, and then AR misses the, the wide open Ricky Pearsall uh, as well. I'll get into AR. Uh, kind of just going through this game, but up and down, but uh, a well, a good enough performance definitely to win this game. Uh, definitely did not get the floor AR that we have seen at times this year. Uh, and then, you know, this the, the inexcusable offsides call that gives LSU the confidence. Jaden Daniels to drop back on third and eight. Hills beat by the LSU wide receiver, 54-yard touchdown LSU. That's when, they, you know, they started hitting the big play uh, as the game went on. LSU 28-21 at halftime. Total yards going into halftime, 306 for LSU to 171 for Florida 252 yards passing for LSU, 79 uh, there for the Gators. You know, Florida had that big play, of course, and the muff punt, short drive. So, you know, a lot of these stats in the first half stats you, you, you see for Florida, and it's uh, excusable in some ways because you, they've got the turnovers, pick sixes earlier in the year, they've gotten the muff punt here, setting up short drives. So, you know, this one a little bit could be explained, but as I said, right kind of before halftime, LSU settled in, had forced some Florida uh, offensive drives to stall. But going into halftime there, LSU 6-7 on third down. You can already tell it was going to be an issue. From the get-go, it continued all the way in the first half. Uh, LSU had 8.1 average yards to gain. They were averaging third and eight, basically, in the first half. They gained 23 yards every third down in the first half on average. Putrid. Ugly. Inexcusable. Uh, and look, LSU was a second-half team all year, except for that Tennessee game that they lost uh, the week before. LSU had been a second-half team, so, well, you know, they were taking a touchdown lead in the halftime, uh, and it did look like it might be on its way uh, to that. Florida fights back, gets into it, uh, but of course, you know, coming right out of halftime, LSU hits that 50-yard run, scores three plays later. It was 35-21. They didn't even need third down coming out of halftime, uh, so, you know, we can uh, – we'll harp on that. We absolutely should. I think there's, you know, so that's probably the biggest thing you can point to as far as regression and really not a lot of signs of growth in this Florida defense. But, you know, once again, like early on in the season, like Utah did, like L- or Kentucky did, LSU, very first play, very first play after halftime, a 50 yard run. And they score three plays later, 35 21. You know, kind of moving through that, too. There was a fourth and four set up. Uh, AR throwing a slant there. Doesn't really give Shorter a chance. A laser fastball. I mean, it was – and then the play before that, you had a timeout. Come out of that play, I don't know what Florida was even trying to do on that play. Um, definitely didn't look like <laughs> – it was third and four. You know, of course, you know, that play didn't, didn't stand a chance. Uh, coming out of a timeout. And then fourth and four throws a slant to Shorter that was pretty much just uncatchable. LSU, that drive after – 13 plays, 88 yards, 551 to take a 42-21 lead right there at the end of the third quarter. Then we are the boys, some Tom Petty. First play of the fourth quarter, Anthony Richardson's 81-yard touchdown run. Uh, we'll get into that, too. Yeah, I'll finally get a third down stop there later in the game, too. Um, and then you know, Xavier Henderson had a nice drive to, to, to start a drive. ETN finishes that drive, and you know Florida's bringing it back, bringing it back a bit there. A 42-35 LSU. Florida brings it back within a touchdown. The Swamp's ready to go. And then the interception by Jason Marshall, wiped away by Jervon Dexter, roughing the passer, pretty much leads to an LSU field goal. 45-35 Tigers walking out of the Swamp 
with another win versus Florida. So how does that end up? Let's take a look at these stats right here. Not pretty. Not pretty at all. Total yards, 528 for LSU, 395 for Florida. LSU, 349 yards passing Jaden Daniels, 185 for the Gators. Russian yards, 210 for the Gators. They led the way there. LSU with 179. Penalties for Florida, 5 for 35. LSU, 5 for 30. 26 first down for, for uh, LSU. They ended up 8 of 12 on third down, but of course it was just the third and longs that they kept converting. The Gators, 7 to 12. But LSU, some of those third downs they didn't get, they were able to set up fourth and short. LSU goes 2 for 2. On fourth down, the Gators go 0 for 3 with a lot of success there on fourth downs for the Gators earlier this season. Not so much versus LSU as they go 0 for 3. LSU, 70 total plays to Florida's 59. LSU, 7.5 yards per play. Gators, 6.7. LSU with 15.2 yards average per completion, 12.3 for the Gators. Gators average yards per rush, 6.4. That's about the season average for the running backs, but you throw Anthony Richardson's big run in there, too, at the same time. LSU, I mean, 4.7. Um, you know, uh, I probably would have taken that uh, coming into the game here if you had asked me about Florida. Red zone, LSU taking advantage, 5 of 5 in the red zone. 2 for 3 for the Gators. Time of possession, negligible there. 31-47 advantage for LSU. Not a lot of turnovers. Gators didn't force. I've been, you know, if there was one thing I did point to about this defense, uh, they have been pretty much worse on every level compared to past years, but they were able to create some turnovers. Not so much in this one. You did have the muff punt by LSU, uh, but of course that was not the defense. Did mention the one Jason Mar, uh, you know, the interception happens with Jervon Dexter um, against the roughing the passer call, wipes away the interception there for Florida. And then after last week, you know, sacking Missouri a good bit. This was an LSU team that had been struggling protecting the quarterback. I believe right off the top of my head, I got it somewhere here later, uh, but 13 sacks given up on the year, I believe. Florida only had one versus LSU. Uh, that was a big issue, and all, all the third downs getting converted. Not a lot of pressure from the Gators, and then not a lot of tackles for loss for the Gators either. What was it, 13 last week versus Missouri, I believe? Only three this week. For the Gators. All right, take a look. We'll go to the LSU side first here. Jaden Daniels, 22 at 32, 349, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 72% completion percentage. Look, I told you guys last week in the preview, he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. Uh, but uh, most of that was because it was some safe, conservative throws. Not so much here. Not so much here. He was Easily able to just pick apart this Gator defense. Uh, you heard Blake Rafino and I talking about LSU skill players and Keyshawn Boutte not really living up and having the year most expected him to have. Oh, well, guess what he did versus Florida? Six catches, 115 yards. Malik Neighbors, the wide receiver we had pinpointed, who's been the best receiver so far this year for LSU. He goes four for 48. Those two led the way there as far as LSU receiving goes. If you're watching YouTube, you can check out the rest of the graphics there in the LSU rushing, of course. Williams, 
the big benefactor there. 14 attempts, 106 yards, average 7.6 yards uh, a carry. I mean, Daniels, 14 attempts, 44 yards. If you had just saw that and applied it to what we – I mean, look, this game, once again, does not go the way as, uh, as a way you think you can preview it. Um, Florida LSU just kind of has that reputation. But LSU, things they necessarily either had success with this season. I mean, four, 14 for 44, Jaden Daniels did a – you know, he he made some plays with his legs. Still, did, did have three touchdowns, but the pure stat line is not going to show you uh, what he was able to do there. And Florida did an okay job, not letting Daniel just kind of go crazy, but I mean, he had some really good runs when it counted. Those guys, and then some of those carries going for those three touchdowns. I mean, lo- the longest was twelve. You would have taken that coming into the game, but. Didn't really play out that way, did it? That's LSU. Their offensive production, and now we'll go to the Gator side here and take a look at the stats. Anthony Richardson, 15-25, 185 yards, one touchdown, 60% completion percentage. Xavier Henderson leads the way for the Gators receiver. As I mentioned, had that one drive to start the drive where he was the guy making some plays. Four catches, 42 yards. Long of 12, who was targeted six times. Justin Shorter, three for 71. One of those being that 51-yard touchdown on the second play of the game for the Gators. Pearsall, two for 49. Got to find a way to get him to ball some more. Montreal Johnson, Lorenzo Lingard, Keon Zipper, Dante Sanders, ETN, one. Uh, we're now seeing the running backs finally get involved in the passing game just a little bit. Nothing, nothing really amounting there, of course. Mostly checkdowns there. Um, that last read for Anthony Richardson, so it takes a little, little while to come back around to that. Um, maybe, like as I said, that was one step of progression for him this year. Maybe get to a little bit faster uh, at, at some point this season to get those guys involved some more. Eight receivers there for the Gators catching passes. And in rushing, of course, Anthony Richardson leading the way. Nine attempts, 109 yards, the 81-yard touchdown run, of course, averaging 12.1 yards a carry. Uh, Montreal Johnson, 13 for 57. You know, not a lot from the running backs here. Not able to, in LSU, as we kind of mentioned, it was a really good rush defense uh, coming into this game. And as far as a really good rush offense, and then missing Osiris Torrance. As I said, you know, the, uh, Leonard is serviceable, but, you know, you're missing probably your best player on the team there in Osiris Torrance up front. You know, could he have created a bit more uh, in the run game up front for the Gators? Uh, but Montreal Johnson, 13 for 57, had, did have that 39-yard touchdown run, but pretty much held in check uh, besides that. ETN, 8 for eight for 28, and no touchdown. And then Lorenzo Lingard, you see it, three attempts, 16 yards. Um, have no idea. I need to ask around about Naquan Wright. Didn't hear anything going into the game. I'm not sure if this was a just kind of personnel decision. Was Naquan Wright injured? Uh, I mean, I'll try and follow up with that at some point today. Uh, but, of course, driving back to Gainesville, trying to get ready for an episode two. Haven't really had time to circle back around on that. But either way, nicely Lorenzo Lingard out there and contributing contributing to this Gator offense. Oh, man, plenty, plenty <laughs> to get into. Plenty to get into about this game. 
course. Storylines galore. Storylines galore here. But before we do, your favorite athletes always strive to put themselves in a winning position. And it's about time you did too with my bookie. MyBookie has the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill all your sports betting needs anytime, anywhere. Bet on the NFL, college football, MLB playoffs, or play for a share of big cash prizes in the weekly blackjack tournaments. If if you have been waiting for the right time to get in on the action, well, that time is now. Make your winning move today. Sign up at MyBookie, use promo code GATERS, and claim your deposit match of any amount up to 1000 bucks. Again, that is promo code GATERS to claim your bonus. Experience sports in a whole new light and make this season a winning one. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. You know the goosebumps you get when Florida takes the field? Or when that 63-yard Hail Mary actually works? Or the thrill of a game-winning interception in the end zone? What a rush. You can experience that same rush every day at your home with Shark Coatings. We'll cover your old, ugly concrete with a beautiful industrial concrete coating and a warranty that lasts longer than most careers in professional football. So whether your garage floor is for parking, partying, or working out, Shark Coatings can transform it. And if your pool deck is starting to look like a bulldog, old, cracked, and smells like pee, Shark Coatings can transform that too. Shark Coatings is easy to clean, stain resistant, and is 100% antibacterial and antimicrobial. We're easy on the eyes and on the maintenance. Gator Nation is worldwide, and Shark Coatings is based right in the heart of it. So whether you live in Brunswick, Georgia, or Live Oak, Florida, down to Ocala, over to New Smyrna Beach, or anywhere in between, Contact us for a free estimate today. Learn more at sharkfloorcoatings.com. That's sharkfloorcoatings.com. All right, back here with you guys. And now with that win for LSU, Tigers have won four in a row versus the Gators' past four matchups dating back to 2019. LSU has also won five of the last six eight of the last 10 and 10 of the last 13 versus Florida. This is one that's going to hurt over the past four games. That four game streak LSU has averaged 43.25 points, 43 points a game. LSU is scoring. Of course, two of those or one of those Joe Burrow, but then 2020, 2021, you know, the last couple of years, the Bo's bad LSU teams still putting points up on Florida. Hey, they just, uh, it's on Florida right now. LSU offense scored touchdowns all of its first six drives. Jaden Daniels, of course, did not see that type of performance, but maybe we should, I mean, most of us already expected, I guess. That type of performance versus the Gator defense, he was in command, leading, you have to call it explosive last night in the swamp, LSU attack, but, you know, on the air and the ground, 22-32, 349, three passing touchdowns, 14-44 on the ground, another three touchdowns on the ground, become the first player in LSU history to have at least three rushing touchdowns and three passing touchdowns in regulation. Became the sixth LSU quarterback with three rushing touchdowns in the game. Most recently by Burrow in the 2018-7 overtime game versus Texas A&M. He joined Joe Burrow as the only two 
LSU quarterbacks to account for six touchdowns in a game. Burrow had at least six touchdowns during five of his LSU of his LSU career. Dennis became just the second LSU quarterback to throw for 300 yards in a game against Florida, joining Jamie Howard, who threw for 339 and 92 in a swap. Eight and nine on third down for 173 yards was Jaden Daniels. Six of his third down completions went for LSU first downs as LSU went 8 to 12 on third down versus Florida. So Florida's defense went out there and put Jaden Daniels in Joe Burrow categories. Is Jaden Daniels Joe Burrow? Not even close. He was against Florida. Wide receiving Keishon Boutte surpassed the 100 receiving mark for the first time this season, and that's by any LSU wide receiver. But he was the guy, you know, they circled all year at wide receiver for LSU. First time this season any LSU wide receiver has done it. So, of course, first time he's done it this season. It was the sixth time in his career, six for 115. Josh Williams' 50-yard rush play on the first half, on the first play of the second half, was the longest run of his career, and LSU's longest run of the season. 50-yard rush play. I mean, just think about all the you know big runs Florida running backs have had this year. That was through six games. It took LSU game seven to get their longest run of the season against this Florida defense. Dre Jenkins finished Saturday's game. LSU wide receiver, two receptions, 67 yards, and a touchdown. He continued his career success against the Gators. Jenkins has caught five touchdowns in three games against Florida. He had three touchdown receptions last year versus Florida and another in the 2020 game. So as I mentioned, you could tell early on, third down was going to be an issue. In the first half, that's just that's, that's where it was just absolutely terrible for Florida. It was 28-21 LSU going into halftime. As I said, 6-7 on third down, 8.1 yard average to gain. Gained 23 yards in the first half on third down. For the night, 8-12. Their average distance for the whole night. They got better in the second half, but barely. 7.4 yards to go for them. And then they gained 15.3 yards on third down for the whole night. In the first half, 23. Going back to Jaden Daniels, he accounted for 10 touchdowns coming into this game for the whole season. 10. Seven passing, three rushing. Three passing on Florida. Three rushing on Florida. So 10 touchdowns coming into the game he accounted for. Six versus Florida. And just look at the defense. There was no pressure generated up front whatsoever. Whether Florida was just lining up, trying to beat them with three, couldn't, couldn't beat battles, couldn't win battles to get into the backfield, rarely blitzed early, allowing Daniels just to kind of sit back, pick apart this Florida defense. LSU came into this game allowing three and a half sacks a game. Florida gets one. One sack on one of the worst Offensive lines protecting the quarterback in the country. Didn't bring a whole lot of pressure. Didn't try to bring a whole lot of pressure. I mean, they did, just not enough. Relied too much on just trying to win up front with three or four. Wasn't getting there 
Daniels just sat back there and picked Florida apart, no matter what Florida was doing coverage-wise. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So now what? Four and three. Going into the bye week, and we can sit here and say, you know, you guys know me. I'm a, I'm a little more patient, a little more reserved, a little more conservative than you know, making proclamations and, and where things are heading and stuff. I, you know, I want more data, see where things are playing out. I'm not, the, I'm not the early declaration type of person here. It's not my style. Not mean I'm not thinking some things, but, of course, I want to see things play out a little bit. But we're, we're at this point now, seven games in, going to the bye week. Of course, everything, everything's going to be reassessed. Everything's going to be reassessed in the program. We're going to sit here and do it on all the podcasts and websites out there. You know, this is when, you know, Florida's bye week is usually here at this point in the season, right around the halfway mark of the season. So it's usually a good quote-unquote report card time for Florida. There is no improvement, clear regression on this defense from this season. It does not matter what personnel is out there. It does not matter what coverage Florida's in, whether it be zone, man, pressed up, given cushion. It, it don't matter. It doesn't matter. And we can nitpick all we want to about personnel and scheme. It does not matter. Did not matter, does not matter. We all knew, we've they discussed all offseason about the talent deficiency on that side of the ball. And while recruiting numbers look good on that side of the ball, in some form or fashion, impact, very limited. Many of these guys playing at a position, even though they were recruited highly at another position, playing somewhere else. But at the same time, to sit here, we're seven games in now. And to regress and look like what Florida looks like right now, that, that, that's coaching combined with all of, all of the other stuff. You know, the, the further we get into a season... Coaching gets a little more involved in what we see out there. And we're still seeing confusion in assignments, tackling, winning one-on-one battles, defensive backs not in position, can't make a play on the ball. You know, all are, are some apparent through the season so far and all on display versus LSU. There, were, there was a lot of times you can nitpick, okay, where this, this was the issue here. More so in this game or that game, but in LSU, it was all it was every bit of it. Napier admitted so after the game. It's it's personnel, it's coaching. They got a lot to figure out, and they, the hope is you, they they can figure something out. You guys, I, I, I'm no X's and O's guy, down to the core. Just not, you know, not me. I don't have that. I don't have that experience. These coaches out there, they'll, they'll, they'll forget more football than I'll ever know. But, but where's this learning at? This defense supposedly being easier to learn according to the players now. It's what we heard all offseason. You know, we heard how confusing, and I, that, that can be 
maybe overblown a bit, but that was coming from the player's point of view as well. And look, I have nowhere. You guys knew my expectations for this defense. I, now, I, I did in some ways think it was as simple as Todd Grantham's not on the sideline anymore. Okay, that's an instant upgrade, but that, that's not the case. And I'm not expecting a defense that's been awful for two, three years to all of a sudden turn around and be one of the best. And I don't think that's what most of us are asking for. But it doesn't even look competent at times right now. I mean, everything is on the table for why this defense looks so bad. Last staff failures included, but the further, the further we go along with this, week by week, we, you, you, separate yourself about, you separate yourself a bit from that. I mean, it certainly plays a part, but adjust, adjustments are negligible right now. It doesn't matter who's out there. And I know that's for, for a lot of people saying, well, it doesn't matter, so play the younger guys they can learn. Maybe that's where we're going with this. But I also heard the whole, well, replace that guy with this guy because he's better. No, no, they're not. So really, all we can really fall back on is play the young guys just to get experience. I'm, but I, I, you're not going to convince me so-and-so's just better. Because it's not this person. You, you, you won't get me there yet. And look, this completely new staff on defense, led by Patrick Tony, but Corey Raymond, Sean Spencer, Bateman, those guys, I mean, this is a new staff. None of those guys have ever worked together to get, uh, collectively. You know, so there's probably a good bit of learning amongst the coaching staff as well. But, you know, overall progress is a bit concerning. And for Corey Raymond to you know, be one of the best uh, defensive back coaches in the country, we're, we're not seeing it right now. I'm not saying that's him or anything. I'm just saying we're not seeing it. We're not seeing that play out in the progress right now. You know, is it the scheme led by Tony and trying to adjust to that? You know, I, I'm just throwing some stuff out here. I, I, I don't know. I don't have the answer. But the overall lack of progress is concerning. And nothing's going to change, at least with Patrick Tony as defensive coordinator. Uh, Sean Spencer there as co-DC. Wouldn't expect anything to happen, change this year, or after the year with this staff, early in the process. I'd be shocked if it does. So, you know, there isn't an easy answer for any of what we're seeing out there. Except, simply, teaching has to be better. Learning has to be better. We know recruiting has to be better. But it's not instant fix. The teaching and the learning, that, that can go a long way right now. There are some some instantaneous options there along with that. You hope anyway. But as far as players go, you, you, you got who you got. Still some patience involved a little bit as far as overall, where's this thing going? But for this year, as far as teaching and learning, coaches and players... I think you can, uh, we, we can critique there. We can criticize there. All right, there's a little spill for what we see on god-awful third downs and certain scenarios for this Gator defense. But back to the game a little bit, almost a chance late anyway. With everything I just talked about and everything we just discussed, almost a chance late anyway. The interception that was called back because, uh, I mean, I, I think we can all admit a questionable roughing the passer with Jervon Dexter. We've seen that called before, so it's not just a 
Now, that's a Florida thing, but it was a bang-bang play. It gets called too often for my liking in the game of football. But at the same time, you know, it happens everywhere where you just can't drive a quarterback into the ground. We, we see it. You know, given the timing of the game, of course, if, you, if, if it, that play's still there, you'd like to see him refrain if possible. But, I mean, I mean, let me get that out there, if possible. I'm not saying it's easy for a 300-pound man to go and try and make a tackle and, and kind of refrain and lay off. But if he can and does, Florida has a chance late. With a lot of momentum caused by a turnover, no matter how ugly the game was before that. But yeah, we got to, that call can definitely be discussed. I mean, like as I said, we've seen plenty of them called that way. I didn't like the call, of course. Probably some orange and blue glasses a bit too, but yeah, you know, we probably, if it was going the other way, would have had no issue with it. Well, speaking of that, in some form of fashion, he has some dirty play by LSU there going, uh, going pretty low on AR's leg. That was intentional on purpose. Luckily, it didn't cause an issue for the quarterback there for the Gators. But, yeah, speaking of that, let's go to the other side of the ball. But, yeah, defense, bye week coming up, so important to try to figure something out. I don't know what it is. I don't have the answer. I don't think any of, any of us have the answers of what's going to fix it for the rest of this season. Uh, kind of going back to the offense a little bit. Inconsistent Anthony Richardson, but hardly the issue here in this loss. Um, you know, too bad he can't play a Florida defense like his counterparts get to. Uh, but you know, deep, ball, deep ball has gotten better, as we saw in the second play of the game, hitting shorter for that 51-yard touchdown. You know, he was missing those throws early in the season. Uh, now we've seen it in, you know, a couple times here in the past few weeks, uh, hitting those deep throws. But also, you know, missed those open throws to receivers. Uh, but he did get involved using his legs more, a bit more. Saw it on the second drive of the game. And look, going and, and looking and seeing what we've seen so far this year, we've all questioned the use of his legs. Uh, and for me, it was, okay, can we get the small gains? Can you get the five yards and set up a nice down and distance? Or can you get the five yards and keep the chains moving? Okay, he, he was doing that. And then, of course, uh, the big 81-yard touchdown run to open the fourth quarter. One of the best runs in college football you'll see this year uh, right there from Anthony Richardson uh, to open up the fourth quarter. That marked Florida's third longest touchdown rush since 1996. 81 yards. And the longest, of course, by a Florida quarterback <laughs> in that time. Uh, not many had the uh, capability to do that, of course. Richardson's rush is tied for the ninth longest touchdown rush in FBS this season, including the third longest by an FBS quarterback. And also, we almost could have put this in the column again, but no turnovers. No turnovers there. The, you had the fumble right there, the possible interception. Um, but you know the the one his arm called moving forward. So no turnovers there. I mean there was opportunities for some, but a little bit of progress there. No interceptions there for Anthony Richardson. No fumble either for the quarterback, which we've seen both show up from him. And then something else, of course, I think it does go back to the defense a little bit. But a timeout's before halftime. 
And personally, me, I, I would have been a little more aggressive, but Napier, I think we've heard pretty much so far this year, pretty much admitting in postgame without coming out and saying it, doesn't trust the defense, uh, which we have seen push many decisions this year from him. Uh, but he was asked about it. So on clock management at the end of the half, Napier had this to say. Well, they got two timeouts as well, so you're in a mayday two-minute situation. There's a certain level of aggression that you're going to, going to use based on field position. We never really got into field position where you need to be aggressive. Ultimately, I think they've got two timeouts. The last thing you want to do is give them the ball back again. I think it's a delicate situation there that you try to help manage the players there. So there's his explanation. I ain't telling you to agree or disagree with it. Um, but there's, from a coaching perspective, just didn't want to give LSU the ball back. So, and then as I, at that time, as we were kind of saying, LSU's defense had gotten into a groove with stopping Florida's offense. But, you know, Florida's right, yeah, as he kind of said, was kind of on the edge there. I personally probably would have been a little more aggressive. That's kind of my mindset on offense anyway. And we've seen it at times this year, but pretty much saying don't want to give them the ball back. So that goes back to my point of admitting he doesn't really trust the defense right now. And why would you? Now, I mean, this defense is it's not just affecting the defense. It's not just affecting whatever 11 guys are out there. It's affecting how Billy Napier calls a football game and processes the football game. Big recruiting weekend for the Gators, of course. Got a couple commits at the end of last week. Bunch of commits on a uh, bunch of recruits, targets, commits on campus this week. We'll see some, hopefully some positive reaction from that. I know the game wasn't the best. Luckily, Florida kind of pulled back into it late. Uh, but uh, the third quarter was a little subdued in the swamp. But, you know, Napier even said it after the game. You know, you don't make a decision based on one event, one game. So we'll see how after, you know, all the recruits will be talking over the next few days. Probably some of them on this Sunday right here midday as we record this. Still talking with the staff. That was Billy Napier's plan. If you go back to last week saying, hey, we got a bye week coming up. That means we'll have a little more open time on Sunday to spend with the recruits, their families. I'm sure a lot of quote-unquote exit interviews are happening here uh, with so many guys on campus. So we'll see what comes out of that. There, I mean, of course, the the beginning of the game atmosphere all throughout the weekend. Actually, I got there Friday, went to the Gator Collective event. That was a whole lot of fun. Uh, traffic was terrible <laughs> starting on Friday, so you just kind of knew well, that's that's Gainesville on, on on a game weekend, of course. Uh, tailgate Harmonic Woods was probably the best one we've ever had, if not just one of, but it was up there, uh, and you could feel it. There was a lot of people there early. Uh, the atmosphere was there. I uh, know a couple of recruits were shuttled by um, tailgates and checking it out. Uh, the atmosphere was good in the stadium early uh, at, the, at the same time. He had a big opening touchdown from AR to Shorter. So you know, the recruits got to see if they haven't been there yet. Many of them have. Many of them haven't. Got to see that atmosphere. So you hope all that kind of stuff pays off. Maybe the game not playing much of a factor here. If the process is right, you know, the game doesn't really factor into it all that much. Sometimes guys can see where they are needed. 
in a performance like that. So if you are a, if you look at the Gator class and we know the focus on the defensive line and the defensive backfield, so many targets and so many commits, numbers probably for those position groupings higher than normal this cycle. Florida knows where they need to help. The staff knows where they need to help. There's a reason so many defensive linemen are being targeted. There's a reason so many defensive backs are being targeted. Trying to flip those rooms. So you hope these last couple days go a long, long way in putting some final touches on some 23 guys, laying a great foundation for 24 and 25 guys. That's what these, besides the game itself, that's what these, that's what this time, that's what these couple days will be used for. I mean, just hope we get, gotta hope it pays off and there's gonna have to be some patience involved. That's all, that's all there is to it right now. I know, I know a lot of people do not want to hear that. I, I, I know it. I completely know it. But what else are you gonna do right now? All right, everybody, I see you right here in the comments. A lot to kind of go through here, so. <laughs> um, all right. Some LSU fans hopping in here, going back and forth. Just have to keep it respectful a little bit, please. Not saying it's not. I can't. I'm not really keeping up with the conversation here. But um, all right, yeah. Too many to go through. I'll be sitting here. Yeah. So I guess that comes with it. Yeah. Mike, the I won't even. I won't even really read the name. Just wants to come in here and start some stuff. Of course. So I can take care of that. Um. Let's see. Yeah, coaching and personnel, absolutely. It gets this bad, it takes both. Uh, but I think with the more we see, we knew the players, right? We know who's lining up there for Florida. We knew some of the issues some of the guys had coming into the season. Uh, but the more we get to see and learn about what's on the sideline, then some more... Blame and focus can start going that that, that route. And I'm, ulti- I'm ultimately going to judge a coach, and this can be a head coach, this can be a position coach. Once you start getting your players in, that's where the ultimate judgment comes for me. That's not to excuse what we see this year, though. As I mentioned, adjustments, learning, teaching, a lot of the same mistakes that we've seen throughout the years are still there. Now, is that more on the players? It can be, some form or fashion. We don't know how to weigh that. Can it have an effect? I'm, I'm sure it can. How can we... We can't put a percentage on how much of it is coaching and how much of it is players. We don't know that. There can be a lot of assumption out there. Uh, what I think is a safe assumption is it, it's, it's taking both right now. But transition, it was never going to be easy. I, I, I kept trying to harp on that all offseason. 
And then, admittedly for me too, you know, the orange and blues seep in and say, okay, well, there's, you know, we kept saying, you keep looking at team talent composite on 24-7, and I think that's where you kind of have to go deeper in recruiting. Yes, Florida does have the second, quote-unquote, most talented roster in the East, quote-unquote, uh, recruiting sites and stuff that we go a lot by. But at the same time, as we were giving in-depth thoughts and analysis for recruiting, we, we've discussed, especially on the defensive side of the ball, where guys may not fit on the defense. Too many tweeners, quote-unquote tweeners, too many guys switching positions that he didn't play in high school or played very little in high school. So, here we go. I know we're all frustrated. There we go. Got to get him up there. Good buddy Josh from Harmonic Woods. We never lose a tailgate. Absolutely. That was a blowout tailgate yesterday. Woo! That was a, that was one, that was one for the ages. <laughs> uh, but yeah, here we go. You know, just right now, I mean, I can't offer any solace, honestly. That's not what I'm trying. I'm not trying to make you feel better here. Uh, I'm bringing a lot of thoughts here. There's not a lot to bring to the table to feel really good about. Got to tell myself sometimes too, patience is needed, and we'll we'll see where this goes out. But man, I know it is it is hard to handle. It is hard to admit. All right, there we go. Hey, there we go. Get the questions. I've seen it a bunch out there. Eric does ask, Dave, do you think Tony should be our DC? As I said, I will ultimately pass judgment. I, I'm I, I'm conservative by nature as far as decisions and you know stuff like that goes. Um, and part of it probably goes, I do weigh in my mind, what do I think will happen? That weighs a lot in my decision in mind as well. And they're not going to make a change this early after during one season I mean I've, yes I've even seen the ridiculous comment that it's not going to happen right now that oh he should be fired right now on the spot that's not happening you know there's there's a little bit of realization that has to go on too in some of these comments you can say maybe what you want to happen but I think there's a lot of belief out there and that somebody says something like that that they actually think it should or is going to happen that's not the way these things work Ultimately, I'm going to want to see. And I can't. You got to show progress somewhere. And even I can. I reserve the right to change my mind. Of course, you know I'm not. I'm not 100 percent putting my stake in the ground. I will fully admit I can. I can change my mind. I reserve that right. I don't have to be first proclamation guy. And sit here in the end and say, "Well, I told you so." And that, that no, that's not me. There's too many. That's too much of that out there. I think some people want to be out there and say, "I told you so." More than they want to be fans. Yeah, that, that kind of ridiculous in my part. I don't, I don't call many people out, but the fan side of me gets a little tired of seeing that. People want to be right instead of, you know, just even waiting, showing some bit of patience. But I can't tell people how to think. Don't try not try not to tell them how to think. 
But no, I'm not. I'm not at the point now where not Patrick Tony. Where I gotta say Patrick Tony should not be defensive coordinator now. If it continues to get worse, and they assess in the season that there's no fix, well, I mean, I'm not gonna know that. I think if if something happens, that's what would come from that kind of a conversation. But as far as a prediction or anything, I don't think a change would be made. I mean, recruiting on that side of the ball, Patrick Tony is heavily involved in that and is getting really good reviews on that side of the ball as far as that goes. But that's got to play out too. I mean, Christian Robinson, the linebacker coach for Florida, rave reviews from recruits as well and bringing guys in. But we saw how that played out. Part of the issue Florida is in right now was because of that thought process. So you can't let it go too far. You know, when I say things, I'm not, like I said, I'm not staking 100%. Don't have to be that way. But it's bad. That defense is bad, bad, bad. All right, there we go. I wish it was better. (laughs) I wish it was better. Uh, We'll see what this week holds with the uh, bye week, of course. I think we will definitely take a, probably a bigger look at recruiting. Of course, we got the two commits last week. Headline by Dijon Johnson. And Bryce Thornton. But man, I know at least the beginning portions of this week is still going to be based off this disappointing LSU performance. But as I said, we'll keep an ear out, keep an eye out for what recruits have to say coming out of Gainesville this week. But we'll do, we'll do some recruiting stuff, of course. But all right, there we go. We'll see what bye week holds. Uh, Florida has not released a media announcement. I don't think Billy Napier will talk on Monday. Um, but I'm not sure how he does or how, we'll ha- how he'll handle bye weeks. But he will be on the SEC teleconference on Wednesday. So we'll get we'll get him there, of course. See if anything comes out of that. But alright, that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>